Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio, another true story from True Story FM. I'm your host, Megan Strand with Engage for Good. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio. I'm Megan Strand, Communications Director with Engage for Good, and I'm here with the wonderful, glorious Allie Murphy, Marketing and Engagement Manager with Engage for Good. Hey, Allie. Hey, Megan. How are you? Good. I have to think of new adjectives to describe you every time. Yeah, I noticed I wasn't fabulous. You weren't anymore, fabulous, but today. the other two were up. pretty good. <laughs> I got to mix it up a little bit. Um, well, you and I were recently on a webinar that was sponsored by For Momentum um, called Get Unstuck, a Shift in Corporate Partnership Solutions for the New Age of Social Impact. And you and I were both just very, very taken with one of the presenters. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because it turns out we might be talking to her today on the podcast. Well, she was pretty awesome. I think the first thing, well, lots of things, but one of the first things that excited me was her conversation about kindness bombs, which she's going to share with us a little bit later. But Megan and I were chatting back and forth and just really inspired by a lot of the conversation. Yes, it was just fun because sometimes you get people that are very much on key message and they stick to their key points very closely. And then some pe- sometimes you get people who are just very authentic, enthusiastic. Um, and, and tell this, you the things they did wrong. Tell you the things they did wrong. Tell you kind of how it is. And this presenter definitely did that. So um, we kind of, we just felt compelled to reach out to her and ask her to be on the podcast. So um, I'm excited to have today as our guest, Carly Stevens, who is Manager of Community Affairs at Gas South. Should we talk to Carly? Let's get started. Well, hello, Carly. Welcome to Cause Talk Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Well, we are so excited to have you here. And we know a little bit about Gas South because we heard you on a webinar recently. But would you tell our listeners a little bit about Gas South and what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. So Gas South is the largest uh, natural gas provider in the Southeast. So we are a natural gas marketer. Um, and we have a commitment to give 5% of our profits back to children in need. And I'm the manager of community affairs. And so my role is overseeing that 5% back to uh, children in need and then engaging our employees in that commitment to the community as well. Awesome. That was the perfect introduction because we're going to segue into that 5%. So you give 5% to kids in needs. Would you talk about the community impact you've been able to achieve and what it means to be, quote, be a fuel for good? Sure. So I'll start with kind of be a fuel for good. That's our stated purpose. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, for us as a company and for me personally, it's really about empowering our employees to be a fuel for good in terms of uh, what that means to them and in ways that um, make sense to them in their community, in their jobs, in just their everyday lives. That's kind of our overall intention. Um, It is also something that's really cyclical. So because of the 5% of profit commitment, we understand that, you know, our employees are the ones who help to make us profitable as well as our customers, of course. But if our employees do their job really well and give great customer service and they're a fuel for good in their everyday jobs, that drives our profitability, which then in turn drives the amount of money we can give back to the community. And then when we can give back that money to the community in which our employees live and play and where their children reside and where their families are, um, then we really kind of support them from the ground up as well. And they can come back to work and 
do it all over again. So it's um, really kind of creating that cyclical nature of that fueling goodness, um, kind of like acts of kindness, passing it along, making sure that the overarching community impact we've been able to have is just really being recognized as a great partner in the community um, to our nonprofits and allowing them the investments, the funding and flexibility to do new and innovative things to address community needs as they arise in the ways that make sense to the community in that moment. Well, speaking of things that make sense to the community in that moment, COVID-19 probably threw you for a bit of a loop as it threw most of us for a loop. Could you talk a little bit about what you did at Gas South to kind of pivot your initiatives and shifted your giving and a little bit about just the B2B focus? Because there were so many unique things that you did there, I thought. What we really did was early on, we thought, okay, we really need to um, decrease the number of uh, partners, nonprofit partners we were giving to just for this year and increase the amount of investment we were making in each of them. So we really took that partner list down to about seven organizations where traditionally it was about 30, I would say, where um, we looked at organizations that had the capability to deploy funds efficiently and quickly. Um, We looked at our partners who are collaborating really well across other organizations who are trying to kill as many birds with, you know, a handful of stones. So we gave over a million dollars early on in April of 2020 and just kind of deployed all of our funds right at the beginning to try to address some of the issues that were coming because of COVID-19, which I think was great. And we, we kind of expanded our focus a little bit. We've always had this children in need focus, or at least for a couple of years now. And we wanted to make sure it kind of included families. Um, so, you know, we understand that if parents aren't well and stable in their work and they're facing challenges, their children can't be either. So we wanted to make sure we were addressing kind of family issues um, and not just specifically children. A lot of our investments previously had gone to education and schools, which, you know, they still did, but there just wasn't that kind of need there. It was more around basic needs um, at the onset. So that was a way we we shifted. And then we did that kind of within... Um, our customer base, which was interesting. So for our company as a natural gas provider, we have a lot of hotels, restaurants, right? Kind of the entertainment industry, dry cleaners, um, you know, a lot of retail um, and manufacturing companies. And so we wanted to make sure that we were really addressing um, some of those issues specific to those industries because they made sense for our business and they were some of our customers. And then from kind of the volunteerism side, you know, it was like, oh, we deployed all our funds in April and I'm kind of sitting here twiddling my thumbs. Like, what am I going to do for the rest of the year? What value do I bring to the company for 2020 if all the funds are gone and no more decisions need to be made? But it really bubbled up that, you know, our um, our employees, as we started looking at our employees as our community and who we were serving in 2020. And so we started putting some initiatives and investments in place to really uplift and support our own employees during that time because traditional volunteerism just wasn't happening. And like I said, I wasn't willing to go out and volunteer and, you know, be like, Hey, we're providing masks and gloves and like, come on out. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So I'm not quite sure why I expected our employees um, to do that either. Uh, It was a little asinine on my part, but I think that, you know, eventually we kind of got to the place where of like, you know, we need to take care of our employees personally in their space again, to go back to that cyclical, like making them whole and well so that they can then um, really serve our customers and each other uh, in, a, in a manner that, you know, um, can, they can be a fuel for good in that way. You know, we had to make sure they were supported first. Absolutely. So I want to continue with employees a little bit. So you went from 
kind of these in-person volunteer giving away the majority of your budget. And then you kind of did something, not kind of, you did something called kindness bombs. What are they? What inspired them? And what has the response been like? I want to jump in here quickly and just say, Absolutely. when we heard about kindness yeah. bombs, Allie and I were like texting <laughs> each other like, kindness bomb, that's so cool. So we had to... With the actual emojis too. It was great. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Carly. Yeah, I'm... No, please. I'm kind of... Um, I'm that creative type. I love to come up with just stuff, you know, big picture stuff and see, you know, throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. But we were at that time um, having employee conversations or check-ins. So our HR department was actually checking in on every individual employee during this time to see like how they were doing. Did they have what they needed to work from home? Their extra monitors, you know, were they um, as a single parent having to do schooling and what was their schedule like? And is that working for them? And are they taking care of themselves and others and all that kind of stuff? And so a lot of things came out of those conversations in terms of, you know, our company decided to give stipends to everybody for internet use at their home to increase uh, broadband or bandwidth, um, which was great. But we also just kind of heard how difficult it was for our own employees. You know, we always were used to being like, hey, out there, these are the issues and the challenges we can address. And it really brought it home to be like, oh, in here, even though we're all still employed, that doesn't mean that we're, you know, not facing the same types of issues and challenges that COVID-19 brought. And so we thought, how do we really address this? And I was speaking to one of my colleagues, uh, Jennifer Bronner at Cox Enterprises, and she was just talking about a social media campaign that they were holding kind of around acts of kindness and encouraging their employees to do acts of kindness and then tell them about what those acts look like in their neighborhood, locally, whatever they were comfortable with. And me being me, I was like, oh, let's take that to the next level. And let's, you know, encourage our, not just encourage, but um, kind of tell our leadership and managers, directors, you know, leaders of others that they've got to do this for their people. And let's also find the money to make sure we fund it for them. So we make it super easy. And we're, we were saving lots of money by working from home, right? As a company, just in terms of our lights are not on, our electric bill, right? We're saving paper with the printers, like all that kind of stuff. So we had some funds that we weren't spending that we thought this is a great way to do that, take care of our employees and make our managers look good to our employees, build uh, team building and camaraderie. So it was really about, hey, managers, you have to kindness bomb your direct reports, have this trickle down effect. So we've started with the C-suite. You got to you got to kindness bomb your direct reports, however that looks for you. So whatever your direct reports are comfortable with, you can have a meal delivered. You can give them a Starbucks gift card and set up a coffee date in the morning so that there's coffee on you and you guys can connect and talk. You can do um, a virtual wine tasting together. You can do a virtual tour, like go to the aquarium together, take your kids, like you know that kind of thing. Whatever made sense, so that. We were really helping our managers create these direct and personal connections with our employees um, on purpose. And so it's been really fun to watch because, you know, they're um, kind of in the name, these kindness bombs. It's like they're just dropped on you. Our employees don't expect them. Um, but it's just been really transformative in the way we're thinking about how we treat each other and how we cre create these connections. And so... Um, going forward, we're going to continue to do this indefinitely. Our leadership and our managers have loved it so much that this is going to be built into our budget going forward. And every year, management uh, leadership is going to be making sure that they kindness bomb their people at least once a year. I love that idea. 
I think, Allie, we need to implement that and engage for good. What do you think? <laughs> I'm in. We could start tomorrow. <laughs> I love that idea, Carly. I'm sure your employees did as well. Did, so did you kindness bomb yeah. anyone or was this uh, just you kind of shepherding people? Not yet. You're like it collecting has, all the good so ideas. It hasn't You're like, quite, okay, I'm going to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I do have to say um, it. So it's trickling down and um, I am on the lower management level. So, um, yeah, I haven't kindness bombed uh, my direct report yet, but I already have an idea of what I'm going to do. So when That's it's my awesome. turn, uh, she's ready. And I'm not going to say because I doubt she's going <laughs> to listen to this, but if she does, I don't want her to You'll know. have to tell us after we stop uh, stop the record button. That's awesome. I will. Um, well, I want to change <laughs> the subject just a little bit um, and talk about racial justice and equity. And it sounds like this is something that's always been important to yeah. you and you're giving. But it's it also sounds like 2020 sort of changed the way that you're approaching that and how you're talking about racial justice with employees. So can you talk a little bit about your approach there? Absolutely. So, I mean, I think this is a frustrating um it can be, it's a frustrating topic all around, I think, for everybody, but as in, and for nonprofits and even corporate social responsibility professionals, in terms of like the nonprofit space has always kind of been around equity, right? Like that's why it's there, um, is because people, communities are not treated equitably. And so nonprofits have been put in place to try to fix that broken system. Um, but 2020 really al- allowed us and forced us, right, to acknowledge it and directly communicate that intentionally to employees into the community and think about that. So although we've kind of always been looking through a lens of equity as in how we give and who we're giving to, um, it just really brought that heightened awareness kind of 10 times over um, in terms of, too, like what was expected of us as a company from our customers. Our, our, you know, stakeholders, um, our customers and employees. And so it's just been, it's been great because again, we had to acknowledge it as well, which I don't think, and I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but as a company ourselves, we never acknowledged it externally in any communications and we never really acknowledged it internally anyway, you know, either. So I think it's been really good to say like, Hey, employees, We've known that this is something that impacts you personally and on a personal level uh, in your day-to-day, but we've never acknowledged that. And so as things continue to arise in our community, um, like the shootings in Atlanta that happened within the Asian community, you know, it it gives a space for our CEO then to send an email to acknowledge, you know, where beforehand we, we never would have done that. Um, not because we didn't want to, right? Not because, but it's just because you don't know you kind of learn and grow from those experiences and what is expected of you as a company and um, as leadership to do and what you're expected to communicate on and how you're expected to communicate. So it's been a great learning process. Um, we've been able to hold what we call community conversations, which I know many companies have done within um, in-house with employees, just in terms of when things happen to gather and say, hey, you know, what are the feelings? Where can we all learn from each other? How can we address... Um, this as a company, but how can, as a colleague of yours, can I help to better understand where you're coming from and what you may be bringing to work that I'm not aware of that I need to be? Um, because if we're really going to, you know, be authentic about saying like, or genuine about, Hey, bring your authentic selves to work, which I mean, all these phrases I know we've used to death these past years, but if we really mean it, then, you know, we have to be able to give space for it and do stuff that allows employees to to actually do it um, 
instead of just, you know, getting an email about it. And what's the employer response been to that, Carly? It's been really great. You know, um, it's been really good just in terms, I think it's been hard too, yeah. right? So I think employees, and again, I'm speaking personally, there are certain parts of our lives that for me before 2020, there is a clear defined like work uh, personal, right? Persona right. for me. Like I know who I am at work and I know who I am at home. And then it's kind of like, oh, we're open to you bringing your home life into work, which hasn't necessarily always been that way. And maybe I'm dating myself here a little bit, but right. Cause maybe for the millennial listeners are just like, what? Um, I've always been able to bring myself to work. Um, so for me, it was a change. And I think for a lot of our employees, the same thing was true. Like you're, they're not used to bringing that personal stuff into work, even though we all know now, especially that it impacts how we work and who we work with. Right. And so it, it was definitely a transition because I don't think all of our employees trusted that process in the beginning. I certainly didn't, but I'm one that I wear my heart on my sleeve anyway, and I'm totally open to talking about however I feel, whatever. And so it was certainly easier for me. Um, but when we have, you know, a lot of analysts within our company um, and a lot of, you know, kind of introverted fields, mm-hmm. that makes it more difficult for our employees. So I think that in the beginning, it was skeptical, right? Like you say this, but I don't know if you really mean it and who's going to go first in bringing their authentic self to work. Um, but the more that people did it, like myself in terms of like having my two-year-old in my lap at new hire orientation, because I'm just like, Hey, like I, this is, here we are. This is I it. love that. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Or there's my dog. Yeah. Great. Sorry. Oh, somebody just came with the door. I'll be right back. You know, there's just those, those moments. And I think the more that we did that and the more that we held these conversations and people went first, um, it's really kind of helped to change our culture, um, and the comfortability that um, we have amongst each other um, as colleagues now. And now it's kind of an expectation, mm-hmm. right? So you get to that point where like we've done it enough where if something happens, we're expecting a conversation to be had. And I think it's just been really great to watch that change occur uh, internally. And I love how you're taking kind of different facets of the business and how employees work and changing quite a few of them over the last year. Like what's worked previously might not work now. What do we want to do differently? It's pretty neat. Oh, man. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I am definitely a proponent of change. Um, I also know like it has to happen. And if I'm not on board, right, they're going to leave me in the dust. So I just I do think that it just makes sense. Um, but I do honestly think it takes a little bit of humility, too. Right. Because there have been moments where I'm like, man, I'm changing how I do things or my role. And if it doesn't work out like that puts my role, me um, in jeopardy and like rethinking that and redoing that has been wonderful, but it's scary at times too. Um, cause you know, narcissistically or egotistically it, it affects me. And it's just like, if I don't succeed at this, I'm kind of like working myself out of a job. <laughs> Absolutely. It's an intimidating place to be, but sounds like you've made some great progress. Back to the 5% for a second and talking about employees again, how do you democratize your giving and empower those employees to help make decisions about where that 5% is going in the community? Yeah. So early on when we made this commitment, um, I was just like, okay, like this is great. But as that 5% had the potential to grow, which it has over the years, I was 
thinking like, I can't just be the only one in charge of this. Um, I could be, and I could be very happy about it, no doubt. But I knew that because going back to kind of that cyclical um, response in terms of like employees are who make us profitable as with customers. And so if I don't include the employee voice in this, it's not going to resonate with our people. And that's the last thing um, that I want to happen. I want to make sure that they're engaged with it. And so what better way than to incorporate their voice in terms of where the money goes? Um, and so we came up with an impact investment process. So not a foundation. We're not, we don't do grants. There's not a lot of red taper restrictions. So impact investments are just really about, um, our nonprofit partners or any nonprofit, um, applying for funds. And we have a committee of 15 employees who then vet those applications that come in for funding, um, during a set time during the year. And then, they vet those, they rank those, um, and they kind of provide finalists to our employees um, for then our employees to vote on as to who receives $50,000 impact investments. Um, and we give over $300,000 in, in that process, which is great. So there are usually six nonprofit um, winners, quote unquote. Um, who receive those impact investments. And so it's a really fun process because employees get to um, serve on that committee. Uh, we open that process every so often for new people to come in and serve in the way that they want to. And then, like I said, our entire employee base votes um, for who they think should receive these funds. And it's just remains like just really great. Like I said, it just involves their voice. Um, then employees feel like they can um, really influence where that money goes. And I would say, and I want to acknowledge too, that that 5% of profits, you know, we, we do do bonuses every year for performance. Um, we have a performance incentive plan. And so, you know, acknowledging that that 5% could go back to that pool for employee bonuses, and it doesn't have to go to the community, but that's the commitment that we made. I want to make sure our employees feel that and, and feel like, you know what, not like we're giving up this money that could be mine type thing. But that acknowledge that it could be, it could be all for profit and all for us, but we've decided to give it back to the community and I want them to be um, a part of that decision and feel like it's a good one. It's such a smart approach in empowering your employees to kind of be part of that decision. And I love that you have sort of two layers of employee involvement there with the, you know, the initial screening and then you have the voting as well. So very, very smart. Um, one of the things I love that you were talking about on the webinar that I would just love for you to uh, wax poetic about here for a minute, Carly, is um, just about your personal philosophy about companies and nonprofits partnering together and what your approach is to meeting the actual needs of nonprofits. Um, I know that you have a development background. So I just uh, I want to make sure we close out here uh, today by sharing a little bit of your personal philosophy because it was so awesome. It's another like, oh, that's so awesome moment when on the webinar. So I'd just love to hear you talk a little bit about that, if you would. Oh, goodness. Yes. And please, like, I need a timer <laughs> or something because I could be on my soapbox all day. We'll be day here all day. Long. That's all good. Seriously. I could talk about it forever. But I really do think that, you know, prior pandemic and during and now, you know, I just, I'm a huge proponent of kind of what I call like just trust-based, right, honest giving in terms of, you know, I alluded to it a little bit when we were talking about like, what community impact have you had? and I just, so kind of, you know, to start, I just think that we need to, as corporations, as nonprofits, 
uh, foundations. We really need to just have these honest conversations about what are we doing here? Uh, we need to bring it back to this value of, you know, why for me, like why as a company are we giving? Why did we make that decision? Is it, we really need to look into that because if it's to do good in the community or because it's the right thing to do, then that's where we need to come from all the time with what we give and how we give and what we're requiring from nonprofits, et cetera. If it's to gain market share because we want to differentiate ourselves in this market because by giving, that's totally different. Okay. And that's a whole different set of requirements. But for us, you know, our, what we call the gas south way is put people first, do what's right, strive to win. So those are the pillars that I come from. Um, in terms of giving. Now, granted, I have to sometimes remind our own leadership of this sometimes, right? Like, why are we doing this? But those kinds of conversations need to happen. So when I'm talking to nonprofits, it's what do you need? What do you need money for? Is it operational? Is it administrative? We should not care because if people can't keep the lights on, if they can't staff a program, then you know, funds that are restricted specifically for that program and every dollar needs to go to help these children in need because that's our focus. We're not doing anybody any favors if they can't staff that program. Or as I think the pandemic showed, if we are restricting our funds for a specific program or initiative or every dollar has to go here and it can't go to administrative overhead, et cetera, then we can't address issues as they arise in the community, which is also crazy. I mean, like what world are we living in? Um, and I, I also, you know, tell leadership too at times, like I, I have experience in a lot of things, enough to be dangerous in a lot of areas. But what I don't have knowledge of is how to make an impact in my community, how to change a child's life, what reading, what it takes to get a third grade reading level, a child up to a third grade reading level. So why on earth? And they don't either. So why on earth do we as a company? then make the decision as to what that money needs to go to or how it needs to be spent in order to get that result. Like that's, hello, again, ridiculous. So I just think it's one of those things where we really have to think about if if we are coming from a place of we're giving back because it's the right thing to do, then we don't need to require all of this red tape or around our game. We should not require impact reporting. Like what are we even reporting on and what do you use those numbers for anyway? So if I get numbers back from a nonprofit that they, you know, were able to increase the graduation percentage by 10%, I sit here and I go, yay. And then what? Like, I don't do anything with that number. I don't, but my, my requiring them to do that and give me that information is taking time from a staff person, taking resources from the nonprofit in terms of like paying that person to go out and collect all of this data which again, each nonprofit collects different data. We don't have standardized data for, you know, impact anyway. So again, this is all just kind of like grabbing numbers from different places to do what? Like make the company feel like they have a, you know, good return on investment. But again, this shouldn't be looked at as kind of that investment that I need a return on. Like if you're just, if you're supposed to be doing it because it's the right thing to do, then just do it. Just give the money. I mean, I'm not saying like, Give it to an organization who's going to, you know, the CEO is going to run off of it and go to Mexico, like money laundering, like do your due diligence. But the requirements that companies put on funding is just ridiculous. And then in turn, nonprofits don't have the confidence, 
right, to have some of these honest conversations with companies because they're fearful of losing the funding. So they would rather get restricted funding for programs that may not even be working or may not even be profitable for them um, or impactful, but they don't want to lose the funding because X company loves this program. Um, and so they're going to continue to do it. And it's like, even if it doesn't work that great, which again, like both sides need to step up and say, Hey, this program isn't actually working and we need to do something different. And here's what we propose or, Hey, we really need this administrative cost. Um, or, Hey, you know what? That hundred person volunteer event that you require us to host for your company every year is actually not that great or impactful. And it takes a lot of time and resources on our end. And so it's just kind of a waste for, you know, like we can hashtag you and do a social media blurb on you anyway. Like let's, whatever. And again, why are companies requiring that? Like, I don't, I don't want to just get like a large group of employees out in the middle of, you know, a field, of landscape so that they can wear our branded shirts and we can pat ourselves on the back and hashtag be a fuel for good. Look at us, look at us. That's, we have a marketing department for that with billboards and TV ads and whatever, like marketing, go do your thing. But again, this space is not for that. And so if we're not having honest conversations about what's really making the difference, and if we're bringing in other reasons as to why we're giving, we need to acknowledge that and have honest conversations, one with ourselves, two with each other as companies and colleagues, and then three as partners between corporations and nonprofits so that we can really just do this thing much better than we've been doing it traditionally. I think think we should have started with that question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was such a good one. I got so many good points. Love, 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 love. Our listeners can't actually see you, but th- there's a lot of passion coming through too. Yes, so it's a great. lot of passion. Oh, I'm sure they can hear my, it. Yeah. Sure yeah. My jazz hands, my hand gestures, I'm all over the place. It's, it's awesome. It's really good that they can't see me. Well, Carly, yeah. I know Megan and I were really looking forward to this and this has been an awesome podcast. So thank you for joining us. Where can people learn more about Gas South and your social impact efforts online if they'd like to do that? If they'd like to do that, they can certainly visit our website at gassouth.com. Um, you can learn about our giving initiatives on our giving back page there that you'll find it um, if you scroll down to the bottom of the website. You certainly can follow us on social media, um, even after my rant, if you're so inclined <laughs> to do so. Um, we do put some of our community initiatives out on social media um, in our posts on Instagram, Facebook, or uh, LinkedIn. Um, so feel free to check us out there um, as well. Awesome. We will put all of that in the show notes, which you can find at engageforgood.com. And we'll also link to that webinar that you did um, as a panelist with For Momentum because that was a great segment and you dove into some other uh, aspects there that we didn't cover on today's episode. So thanks again, Carly, and we will look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you both so much. I really appreciated the opportunity.